and welcome to the sweet spot on a farm. It is a podcast about health and food. It's my search for an answer to how can we achieve healthy body and mind with the resources that are available to us locally. I'm looking at what we can do to improve our health and how and what we eat to support it. The podcast brings you some interesting people who have a lot of valuable information to share and who can provide us with the tools that we need to lead a healthy, happy lifestyle that is personal to each and every one of us. I ask my guests about their work, their passions and their diets and I wonder what they like to eat and make every one of them share a recipe with us, something that we can all easily make at home. When I say locally available to us, that generally means the island of Ireland, but sometimes we have a guest from other parts of the UK or even overseas. And this is one of those special episodes. Um, Today is a little unconventional for me because after a very long four months break, this is the first episode, but also it is the first episode ever that we're recording online. I took four months out during the lockdown because online recording is exactly what I didn't want to do. But because of the strange situation the whole world is still in, and also because my guest is based in Netherlands, with the travel issues these days, we really have no other option, no matter how much I'd love to take a trip abroad. So all I can do is be grateful for the modern technology and hope it won't fail me. And I'll hope that you'll enjoy the episode regardless or distance setup. My guest today is a former alopecia patient and the founder of Alopecia Angel and the author of Secrets of Hair Growth and Health, Johanna Dalman. Oh, and something just happened to our audio and I cannot hear you at all. What just happened there? I actually can't hear you and I have no idea why. Really? Oh, I can yeah. hear I can hear you now. Okay, we're back. So, another technical glitch. Oh my god, this is going to I hope this is not going to keep happening. But anyway, um so how are you this fine morning apart from all the technology issues that we've had for the past half an hour? <laughs> I'm good. This weather is me to sleep. <laughs> Um, you know, before we dive into your story, which I know many of our listeners can relate to, and I certainly can, um, let's explain a little bit about alopecia, because it is not something widely talked about, um, at least not in Northern Ireland, and uh, many may not know what it is. So would you mind explaining what alopecia is and maybe talk a bit about the various types of it? Okay. So in terms of alopecia, alopecia starts, well, first off, alopecia is the medical term for hair loss. And what happens is that it normally starts with a round bald spot and it's a smooth bald spot. And actually that's how mine started. And a lot of times you're diagnosed, not through the doctor, but through the hairstylist. You go in to get a haircut, you go in to get your hair colored and the hairstylist or the salon is actually the one who's diagnosing you. And that's what happened to me. Um, and so I was in the salon chair and they, they found this bald spot and that's how it all started. And the thing is with alopecia areata, which, you know, it starts with this bald spot is that it can grow 
it can this bald spot can grow into many bald spots it can grow into a bigger and bigger and bigger bald spot uh, essentially taking you to the next level of alopecia which would be alopecia totalis alopecia totalis is where you're completely bald on your head but you still have eyebrows eyelashes and body hair the next level after that is alopecia universalis this is no body hair no hair on your head no eyelashes no hair anywhere on your on your body nothing just completely bare and those are kind of like the um the levels um for the majority of people however there are other types of alopecia there's uh traction alopecia which is like where you um where ballet dancers, for example, they wear like the tight bonds. And so when you wear the tight bonds then it starts to pull the hair from up top and it starts to recede, you know, on the, on the hairline, um, ladies who are, who use weaves or who use extensions or who use like cornrows, which is something that, you know, African Americans or black ladies tend to have, you know, those really tight braids that also can create traction alopecia. You also have, um, so it's like the continuous abuse of like the pulling of the hair, right? That will continue to pull and create this receding hairline. Um, then you also have frontal fibrosing, which is a type of scarring alopecia. And scarring alopecia is like a whole nother umbrella, and it has various uh, subtypes of alopecia or scarring alopecia. And alopecia in general is like a humongous umbrella with different types. I mean, I've only scratched the surface, but there's so many more. There's AGA, which is also called androgenetic alopecia, which is also for female pattern baldness. So it's essentially the crown of your head gets really thin and you can see through it essentially. You know, it looks like um, a garden patch. You know how you have different rows of, uh, of dirt and uh, and plants, it, it becomes almost like a garden patch where you can like see through the crown and um, not necessarily in a row aspect, but it has kind of the look of the male pattern baldness where, you know, men go bald on top. And, um, and this is genetic in terms in one way, but at the same time, I've also seen it be reversed with diet and lifestyle. I've had clients with androgenetic alopecia with university with totalis with areata and they've successfully reversed this um, there's another one called telogen effluvium which is kind of like overall shedding where maybe you get this after postpartum you know after you you've had a pregnancy uh, maybe um, during stressful times uh, that you just start shedding a little bit more than normal in general it takes around 50 to 150 hairs in general to have a normal shed that's the normal amount of hair you should be shedding on a daily basis um you know it can fluctuate and only you know really how much is normal for you uh, you can you know obviously tell by your brush and, and by um and by the cycle of hair and going to the cycle of hair the cycle of hair has a a cycle just like the moons you know it's not full moon every night it's a full moon once a month so the cycle of hair also has a cycle where it grows, it rests, and it drops, and then it grows, rests, and it drops. And so a lot of times your cycle could be stuck in a certain phase. It could be stuck in the resting phase, and this is where you're not seeing any hair growth. Or it could be stuck in the 
uh, fallout phase, and that's where you're getting the totalis. That's where you're getting the universalis. And so uh, my story stems back to getting alopecia. I started with alopecia areata. It also had telogen effluvium. It also had frontal fibrosing. It had a bunch of other aspects of alopecia, and this is also quite normal. You can have like multiple t- different types of alopecia all, all at the same time. Um, alopecia is an autoimmune disease. It's one of over a hundred different types of autoimmune diseases. And um, 25% of people with one autoimmune disease go on to acquire a second or a third. So this is the, um, you know, the, the warning label, so to speak, that I want to give people because it's not just, oh, it's hair. I can go bald. I, I can embrace this and that's it. No, it's not just hair. There's, first off, there's a lot of symptoms that go along with alopecia. There's digestive issues. There's fatigue. There's brain fog. There's, um, you know, depression, anxiety. There's dry skin, dry eyes. Um, sometimes if you have eczema or psoriasis, this could be also a flare-up all at the same time. Uh, so there's multiple things going on at the same time that you are having an autoimmune disease reaction or an autoimmune disease kind of like, you know, abruptly open up like a volcano. Um, and then beyond that, 25% of the population, like I mentioned, will go on to acquire second and third. And so really what I want to drive home here is that it's important and it's crucial for you to figure out how to reverse this. Personally, I've done this through diet and lifestyle. I've seen doctors in Europe. I've seen doctors in California. I've seen doctors in Colorado. And unfortunately, their only uh, tools were to prescribe cortisone shots, steroid creams, and um, potentially, you know, look into trials, uh, drug trials, which, you know, if you're not looking at the risks uh, or side effects of these things, they can lead to liver failure, they can lead to kidney failure, they can lead to, you know, different other health conditions. And so going the pharmaceutical route for me was not ideal. And I see it in my clients and I see it in so many people where after 20 years of of doing and trying different meds, they still have no success. They still have no long-term results. So I wanted to get to the bottom of this. I wanted to get to the root cause. I wanted to really understand what was going on. And if I start to analyze my life, I can see a lot of areas that could have been improved for sure. And, um, you know, the thing is, is that our parents don't know about nutrition and they didn't teach us that. Our governments don't know about nutrition and they do a very poor job of teaching or trying to teach that. And we I mean, saw that exactly during the COVID pandemic now that all they preach about is, you know, lockdown and social distancing and wash your hands. I mean, who doesn't know to wash their hands? And, you know, right. nobody mentions how important nutrition is. I mean, they started mentioning exercise and fresh air. Well, at least something, but... Nobody preaches nutrition. Eat real food. That's a, a that's a big part of it. The lifestyle is also a big part of it. And understanding really how to unlearn what you think is healthy and relearning what true health looks like. Because unfortunately, when you have an autoimmune disease, you have more sensitivities. You have more, I don't want to say allergies, but some might have allergies and some might just have sensitivities. I have sensitivities. I don't necessarily have an allergy to anything except for peanuts, but that was even before alopecia, so I don't count that in. Um, In any case, what I want to drive home is that 
what true health looks like for you who has no alopecia looks very different for someone like me. So even now, after more than four or five years of, um, of being alopecia free, you know, I still maintain a certain diet and lifestyle. And this is what I teach in my program. I have a two month program where I walk people week by week on how to heal and reverse their alopecia. And so I have adults of all ages. I have uh, children and their parents doing their, my program. And from there, then they already see hair results. They already see changes in their body and they're able to maintain it. And the thing is, again, like I said, no one is teaching us and no one is teaching us how to live in a modern day society because what we know in all our practices, even in medicine for, for a large part, is done as we used to do 50 years ago, as we used to do 70 years ago. But, but lo and behold, things have changed. The way we produce food has changed. The way we... Um, you know, treat people has changed. And so all this has a big side effect, you know, the quality of water, the quality of air, um, our sedentary lifestyles, like all this is, a, you know, it just plays a part. What I like to say is that alopecia is like a big puzzle. It's like one of those a thousand puzzle uh, pieces and you have to put it together. And this is what I help you do because since I've been through it, I know exactly how you're feeling. I know exactly how to mitigate those uh, nuances and I know how to get you to the other side, which is, you know, through to the light and through to healing. And so regardless of whether you just got alopecia two months ago, two years ago, or 20 years ago, you can still heal. I have somebody in my program currently, he's had alopecia universalis for 20 years. He's in Los Angeles and he's, he's seen all the, you know, greatest doctors ever and still nothing has really helped him. And, you know, he's piecemeal you know, diet and lifestyle over the course of these 20 years, but it hasn't gotten him any results. And then when you do essentially, it's like a boot camp of two months with me already by week five, he's seen hair on his chin, on his legs and on his eyebrows. That's amazing for over 20 years of being completely bald and not having any hair, trying everything, trying, you know, and just like spending money because everybody wants to heal. Everybody wants to be completely healthy and even though you think it's just hair it's not just hair and unfortunately COVID has brought this to light because when you have an autoimmune disease your immune system is suppressed and because of that you are more susceptible to getting and catching colds, flus, viruses, bacteria, etc. And so due to that maybe you think it's just hair you're not going to die from it but lo and behold now we have COVID and guess what this is also like a you know um, a wrench in, in the system and so now you're more susceptible to it and now um, there are other ramifications there are other possibilities for you and that's that can be you know scary and daunting you know I read actually an article I forget from where I think it was in the New York Times where it was saying about a lady she also had two autoimmune diseases she didn't have alopecia but she had two other autoimmune diseases she was 39 you know a mother of like four or three and she caught COVID and she was so scared she didn't want to die. Um, I don't know if she ended up dying or not, but you know, it's these types of articles that makes you think like, I need to do something to protect my health. You can't just wait and think like, oh yeah, I can manage this with cortisone. I can manage this with, you know, a pill. I can manage this with the cream or I can just quote unquote embrace my destiny as many people like to say. And I don't think it's about destiny. I think this is just a bus stop. You know, this is a bus stop. This is an alarm going off for you to see what changes need to be made because obviously your diet and your lifestyle are not 
um, are not giving you the results or the return on investment that you would like to see because many times, even if you don't have an autoimmune disease, even if you don't have disease, the lack of disease doesn't mean that you have optimal health. And so this is another misnomer. You know, we think that just because you have no diagnosis that you're, you know, supremely healthy and you're not, not necessarily. And so, you know, being super healthy today is so different than what it looked like when I was nine years old or when I was 20 years old, when I was 25 years old, when I was 30 years old, or even when I got alopecia. I'm the healthiest I've been today than I was back then. And even when I got alopecia, I had a personal trainer. I was, you know, super fit. I'm a yoga and Pilates certified instructor. Like I know a lot about fitness and I walk the walk, I talk the talk and it's, um, and I can look back and, and I can all already see the setbacks and kind of like the, the alarms, like the, the red, um, the blind spots that I had as a child or a, as a, as an adult or in my twenties or so on. And, and so now I, I see all those mistakes and all those things that I've done that kept me from being at my best, at my best in, you know, mind, body, spirit, because that's really what that is. And it's not just being healthy on the outside, because I also have clients who are personal trainers. I also have clients who are nutritionists. I also have clients who are nurse practitioners. I mean, I have clients, I have one right now, and she's um, a therapist. She's a, psych a psychological therapist. And so it doesn't matter what avenue of medicine you come from you can always unlearn to relearn you can always do better there's always room for improvement and literally what the doctors say is not the end-all be-all and I want people to challenge that because um medical textbooks say oh there's no um uh, there's no cure for alopecia there's no cure for this there's no cure for that I want people to challenge this like I did because I did challenge it and I and it took me two and a half years you know there was sweat and tears into this for sure but I got through it and now I, you know, can demonstrate not just my full head of hair, but, and not just, you know, the long eyelashes and the regular trims that I have to do to my eyebrows, but at the same time, I have optimal health, like digestion's in, intact, um, brain fog is intact, like everything has gone away. All these symptoms have gone away. And so it's like, once you clean house, then you're able to allow that hair to come through and you're allowed to thrive you're allowed to really be your best um you clearly have managed to completely combat this because you have a beautiful hair i mean i'm, you. I'm, I'm looking at your full head this is amazing yeah, a lot of hair <laughs> yeah, a lot of healthy looking hair. This is incredible. And you know, I have to bow to you because you said it took you two and a half years. Oh, lady, I don't know how you managed to do it in two and a half years. It took me over a decade to combat the perception that ulcerative colitis is incurable disease. And only after about 12 years, actually, I went medication free. Um, and officially was told that there is no colitis in my in my body and it took me so long and you did this in two and a half years I um, obviously you are a quick learner but I, I, I don't know how you did it <laughs> but amazing I'll tell you how I did it I spent literally I, I was lucky enough not to necessarily need a job during this time 
and my only job was to spend 10 to 12 hours a day researching and trial and error on my own self. And in reality, I wanted to take the natural um, and holistic route because I, I wanted to protect my fertility. And this is something that also I, I don't think a lot of people think about. And a lot of people just kind of like put it underneath the rug like, oh, I'm not even thinking about that. Um, yesterday I was talking to a client. She's 24. And I was like, no, this is actually something you need to think about because it's not just a given. Just because you're a woman doesn't mean you can have children. Just because you're a woman doesn't mean you're not going to have complications trying to conceive or complications, um, you know, during pregnancy or what have you. And with an autoimmune disease, you also want to be more uh, cautious and careful and kind of like more proactive. You know, it's not it's not just like, oh, it's done. Like, you know, your alopecia free, your ulcer colitis free, and like you can go on to, uh, to your normal life. No, you have to like maintain a certain caliber of lifestyle so that you can maintain the health and also maintain the hair and anything else so that those symptoms don't come back. And so in the same vein, um, I, I read an article the other day where parents had given their 15-year-old son um, alopecia medicine that's only for males. And they didn't discuss or realize what the risks or side effects were. Now at age 30, the poor guy is... Um, has erectile dysfunction. So he's 30 years old. He's at the prime of his life. I'm sure he wants to get married at some point and have kids. And yet he can't even function, you know, normally as his, as he's meant to be. And so this is the problem with pharmaceuticals and meds, but you know, because they also have other reactions, they also have other side effects and it's not just maybe an organ failure, but it could also, you know, affect your fertility, affect your, your humanness because that is part of being human is to procreate if you want right not it's not for everybody but yeah this is, um, and I think this is really important to talk about because I think a lot of medication like medical trials when you're testing new medication new drugs they don't last long enough to follow the patient's for the next 20, 30 years. And you don't know how big of an impact those drugs can potentially have, you know, 30 years later. And I'm not saying that all of drugs do, but some of them, some of them certainly do, but you're not gonna run a 30 year, 40 year medical trial. Nobody's gonna have the money to do that. Right, no, very true. And the thing is, it's like, I, I have a blog with over a hundred articles that I've written. And there's many things that we take on a daily basis, including birth control, that if you read the label, it says side effect, hair loss. So a lot of it is already like our own doing. And, you know, it can be the birth control. It can be whatever medication you're on. And so, you know, for me, health looks like as little as possible, pharmaceuticals, over-the-counter drugs, and, you know, trying to go back to basics, really honing in on diet and lifestyle because there's no one pill for that that's something we have to take control in and that's something that we need to do to do better for ourselves and so a lot of times we're not doing that and what we like to do is push things underneath the rug and avoid or ignore the symptoms or the sounding alarm bells so i speak professionally about um, stress management and burnout and all these things to organizations to conferences and um as an international speaker, I realized, because I also came from corporate, I was also on this hamster wheel of go, 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 80-hour work weeks. I mean, Americans are are known for working 
uh, long hours and taking less vacation, right, compared to European. We like to live, what can I say? <laughs> yes, exactly. Europeans have it right on so many levels. Um, but Americans, for some reason, you know, we have this, this ingrained work ethic, this ingrained uh, way of being that continuously threatens your, your day-to-day. You know, it's like you always have to put in more hours. You always have to show your value, you know, by throwing in 10, 15, 20 more hours a week. And you can't just, you know, here in the Netherlands, people can can be hired full-time, they go part-time, and they can't be fired. There, there's laws protecting them for that. There's a lot of laws protecting them in general. And so this is where you see work-life balance, which none of that exists in the U.S. None of it does. And so because of that, you see more burnout, you see more stress, and the stress levels create disease. And chronic stress creates disease. And so this is a big um, a big boulder, you know, for people. It's that big mountain that we need to overcome, and you can. You just need to be really proactive about it. But there's other areas, too, that um, it's not just stress, that, that causes an autoimmune disease or that causes alopecia in, in this case. And... It's everything. It's a combination of everything. It's multifactorial. There's many factors, and this is why it's a big puzzle piece because we're looking at all the pieces and putting it back together. But I think as stress and especially chronic stress is a major trigger for any kind of disease because stress really weakens your immune system. It weakens the body, and the body cannot fight back, and it's more susceptible to um, disease and, and condition and failure on cellular level, which obviously is a massive problem. I, I am right there with you on this. I think that managing stress and uh, really adjusting our lifestyle accordingly is a massive thing to maintain our health and, and be disease free. And I think that's one of the things that you mentioned there is that it's not just tackling the disease, be it um, alopecia or any other autoimmune or any other disease, the the key is to maintain the new lifestyle and, and to maintain those new habits acquired because it's not just about treating the, that particular condition, it's about maintaining your health and keeping the body healthy at all times. And, you know, I am actually, I have become grateful for becoming ill with ulcerative colitis because if I hadn't, I would have never found new lifestyle, new ways of eating, new ways of living. I would never have learned perhaps to manage my stress and maybe I would have never lived the way I do right now and I'm incredibly grateful for that. And even though it caused me over a decade of pain and suffering, both physical and mental, I found a way of living that makes me incredibly happy and healthier than I was even as a child. And so I totally hear what you're saying. I mean, finding those new ways, but maintaining them, that's so important. Amen, sister. I, you know, you're preaching to the choir. I am 100% in agreement with you. And um, I feel the same way where I'm healthier today than I ever was in my life before, even with a personal trainer. And so it's, um, it's astonishing how our bodies can heal themselves once they're supported. And that's the key. We need to support them. We need to understand what that looks like. We need to understand, um, you know, how to do it. And again, no one's teaching us this. 
And so this is why we have to unlearn and to relearn and be students, be students for our own health, our own sanity, our own, you know, body and our own well-being, because really no one else is going to do it for us. We have to take that control. We have to do it. There's not one pill, one cream or, or, or shots to the head or anything else that will help. It's just the opposite. It's, it's um, really taking charge of our own health and cultivating it on a daily basis. And I think that's the only way. And what I like to say to my clients sometimes is that, you know, we spend a lot of time taking care of our cars. You know, you have oil change, you have checkups, you have changing the tires every so often. We have car insurance. We have, you know, car washes to make sure it's nice and shiny. You know, all these things. It's like, why wouldn't you take care of your own body this way? I think it's, it can be scary for many people because we are all so different. So my way of regaining my health and your way of regaining yours might be very different to somebody else. I, I think people forget a lot of the time that we are all individuals and we all have to find our way that will be effective and that will be comfortable and that will work for us. And there is no one size fit all, not even when it comes to natural health. And I think that it can be scary for many because I have to admit that listening to my own body has been one of the hardest things I had to learn. And even now, sometimes I struggle and I make mistakes, but it is hard. I mean, there's no, there's no way around it. It is a difficult thing to learn. You do. You have to listen to your own body. You have to be present. And I think being present and aware allows you to make better decisions, allows you to make, um, you know, take the next step as to where you need to go. And I can tell you that once I started seeing the healing coming through and the hair coming through and me feeling better, you know, to feel like yourself again after two and a half years. Wow. I mean, it was like, you know, the, the, the clouds parted and the rainbow shined through. It was, it was amazing. And it, I just woke up. It was like really the next day after two and a half years of doing this, it was like the next day. And I was just like, I feel so much better. I have energy. I have this, I have that. You know, it's, um, and it was just like a day of celebration for me. Um, and I, I, and I think that's important to understand that yes, it is individual, um, the process, but all the, um, all the factors that we need to look at are somewhat all the same. We have to get back to a strong foundation. So you can't build a house, um, you know, on, on water without strong foundation. So You know, it's kind of like the three pigs and the, and the homes there. You want the, the brick house. You want solid foundation because diet and lifestyle is the foundation for the rest of your life. It's the foundation for whether you live in health or in disease, whether you are creating health or whether you are creating disease. And so this is, this is the key. And I think diet and lifestyle have a lot of commonalities, whether it's, you know, with yours, with mine, or with, you know, the next person next to us or whoever diet and lifestyle can look and fluctuate and be customized to each person. But in general, it has almost like a checklist. Are we looking at this? Are we looking at that? You know, what types of food are we eating? You know, it, and it's like, it's almost like a checklist and yes, you can customize it to each person, but it essentially is a checklist and we, and we need to really, you know, go deep into it. So if you go back to your personal story, if you were to compare your diet and lifestyle 
before alopecia and after alopecia? What are the differences? How different was it? Um, uh, very different, actually. Not, I mean, very different in many ways because now I look at food as fuel. Um, I'm a foodie at heart. I love food. I love going out to restaurants. I love trying new restaurants. Um, however, I also love cooking at home. I've taken, you know, many cooking classes and um, I do like trying new recipes. But now with every ingredient, I make sure that there's an ROI, a return on investment, like a bang for your buck in terms of nutrient density. Um, I want the ingredients to be cleaner, better, uh, healthier uh, for me versus just whatever the recipe calls for. Like I, I won't follow recipes just to follow them. I'm going to tweak the, the ingredients to make it even healthier or just even more, um, just, yeah, just better for me. You know, I, I don't want mediocre or anything coming into my body. So even with the tea that I choose or the water that I drink, everything is looked at with some sort of scrutiny. And so even when I go out or when I travel, there's also that scrutiny that comes in um, because you want to make sure that everything is is good for you. So, for example, when a female is pregnant, this is probably the one time in their life that they're very cautious of what they're eating, right? Because they want to make sure that everything that they're eating is good for the baby and that it's uh, not harming them and it's not going to have, like, a bad reaction and this and that. And this is why you have, uh, you know, a list of foods to stay away from, from, like, soft cheese to, I don't know, mushrooms and to whatever it is. Um but imagine if we were to focus on our body and on our health in this manner every day, not just during pregnancy. And for men out there, you know, this would be an everyday lifestyle that you actually look. And the thing is, it's like I have so much information in my head. I've, I've read so many books. I, I've watched so many documentaries. I'm so in tune and my research continues on a daily basis where the more I learn, the more I realize and I'm like, whoa. And then it's like, I make changes because one thing is to know and another thing is to take action, right? So I think that that's a, a huge distinction. We can learn as much as we want, but if you're not applying it, if you're not taking the action, then it's for nothing. And so we want to apply it. So, for example, there was a, a third-party organization out of Denver, Colorado, that um, researched the amount of lead in baby formula, in protein powders, and collagen powders, and... You know, they, they tested the top 100 Amazon selling powders, baby formula, and collagen powders. And they found high amounts of lead in all of them, regardless if they said organic, regardless if they were non-GMO, regardless if they were, you know, from a great brand or not. And this is scary. This is truly scary because then, you know, you go to the natural food store or you go to your supermarket and you're looking for your protein powder or your collagen or your baby formula, let's say. And, you know, you think you're buying the best and then all of a sudden this third party comes out with like, nope, sorry, it's filled with lead. Because that's something that the Food and Drug Administration in the U.S. or in many countries are not scanning for. They're not looking for lead and, high, uh, and heavy metals in our food products. But... This is an issue because heavy metals is a big contributor to disease. You know, if it's from the mercury in your amalgams, in your, you know, uh, silver fillings, or if it's in vaccines, or if it's in, you know, our food, like 
like this company showed, this organization really, it's a nonprofit. Uh, they showed it in the baby formula and, and in the collagen, um, or if it's in sunscreen or in our beauty products. Like this all contributes to our toxicity, to our environment, and this is something that a lot of people are not considering. And so they just see the label, Ooh, it's organic, I'm going to buy it, and there's much more to it. And so once you start knowing what's, what's more and what's like the backstory to everything, then you really become a conscious consumer. And this is what we need. We need to elevate our consciousness so that we're not just buying things because people say that this is healthy or that's healthy. For example, kale. Kale is something that everyone says is healthy, which it is. However, because of the big demand in the U.S., there's so much pesticides and herbicides on kale now. And so it's like one of the leading things that you don't want to eat anymore because guess what? It's going to make you sick. <laughs> so guess what? The kale, you know, uh, modern um, fad here has gone, has gone left, has gone right, has, has just like skewed the whole system in essence. And so you have to be on top of it. It's not just like, oh, I know what, what's healthy, what's not healthy. No, you don't. You have to like keep up the research. You have to keep listening, keep tuning in, and keep learning. Because as our technology changes, our food, our our health, everything is changing. Even like with COVID. So you know, we thought it originated one way, and we thought that this would be you know the the medicine or, or the the help to get it over. And so we keep learning. And so it's an evolution. Our health, our body, it's all an evolution. And especially for women, where you go into menopause, where you have, you know, different stages in life and women's health. And so all that also plays a part. I was having a conversation with my grandmother the other day. She's 84, God bless her. And she has reversed her thyroid issues. She's reversed her fibromyalgia. She's reversed her diverticulitis, all with diet and lifestyle, 100%. And um, I also note that she came and she immigrated to the U.S. when she was 50 years old. So she's 84 now. And, like, all her issues with health started in the U.S. So, I mean, that's also another little side note there. But in any ways, she started with Pilates, and then she started going into yoga and Tai Chi and all these things at 75. So it's like it's never too late to start something new. It's never too late to change your diet and your lifestyle. It's never too late. And the thing is, you don't have to wait to say, ooh, you know, this, uh, this coffee or this tea doesn't sit well with me anymore. You don't have to wait for that to happen. You can start doing things now to prevent those sensitivities, to prevent those allergies, to prevent, you know, um, you know, in my grandma's case, her diverticulitis, which is also under that autoimmune disease, um, umbrella because it's inflammation. Anything with itis at the end is inflammation. And that's essentially what the body is going through. It's just tons of inflammation. And so, um, you know, once you start taking out the things that cause inflammation, then you, you start to feel better. And so, you know, I want to be like her with no meds, um, on no pharmaceuticals whatsoever at 84, completely independent. She drives, she lives on her own in her own house. And I think this is, this is kind of like the, the epitome of health where you can be completely self-sufficient at 84 without the help of anything. You walk, you talk, you, uh, you think, you, you can go shopping, you can um, still be creative. She's learning her technology on her iPhone. You know, it's just never too late. And that's what I like to, what I like to like, 
end with always is that it's never too late. You can always reverse the damage that you've already done. This is also possible. It might take a little longer, but it's possible. Did you have that approach or did you feel like this is possible at the start of your journey whenever you were diagnosed with your alopecia? Or was it a gradual process too when you had to go through certain process to realize that actually you can reverse it, but you have to do it yourself? So, you know, when I was diagnosed, I was in the chair at the hair salon and I started to cry. I was immediately Googling things on my phone and uh, just all this emotions, right, uh, uh, started coming up. And the natural reaction is to go see doctors. And so that's what I did. I spent a lot of money out of pocket go seeing doctors in the Netherlands, seeing doctors in the U.S., traveling all around because at this point I was moving to the, uh, sorry, moving to Europe. And so I was in transition. So my healthcare was not open in one place and not open in the other. It was like off. And so because of that, everything was out of pocket. And, um, I was happy to do it because I wanted answers. Once I realized that the solutions and the protocols and the procedures that, that these doctors were offering me were not long-term solutions. Once I did that research that I saw that there was less than a 10% rate of effectiveness or rate of success, I was just like, nope, this is not for me. There's, there's a better way. And I knew that if I was 30 something and I got alopecia, I knew that if I had hair this whole time in my life, why would I not have it again? That was like the biggest question. If I had hair, why would I not have it again? Why would it just go away all of a sudden? That didn't make sense to me. It really didn't make sense sense me and I was, and I just called I called bluff on everyone who said you know there's no cure and you know you would go to Facebook you would go to these forums then it was all doom and gloom it was all like filled with negativity filled with people who were so bitter and resentful and just kind of like in their pity party and I'm not I I'm, I'm not that type of person I'm optimistic I'm positive and because I came from tech because I came from corporate America I look for solutions You know, it's not like it's the, the question uh, always arises in corporate is like, how do we fix this? How do we make this better? And so I was trained because of my work, because of my because of my background, really, is to look for solutions, to always be solution oriented. And so to me, it just didn't make sense. If I if I had hair my whole life, why would I just go bald all of a sudden? That to me, a that wasn't uh, long term. My gut instinct told me I was not going to go bald. And my other gut instinct told me I was going to get my hair back. Um, I'm so very tenacious and perseverant that, you know, like I said, I spent two and a half years, 10 to 12 hours a day. I obsessed over this. I was reading so many different um, articles, medical journals, um, books from doctors. I mean, you name it, I did everything. And I didn't even just look at conventional medicine. I looked at Um, Ayurveda, I looked at traditional Chinese medicine, I looked at so many different modalities that I put it all together, I attended conferences, I mean, I went the extra mile, I was living off of my savings, so, you know, to me, figuring this out was much more, was, it was just so dire and so important to me, because unfortunately, fortunately, it, it, it does hit your mental health, it does hit your physical health, um, it does affect you in more ways than one. And so because of this, I felt like my body was, um, 
was just completely unrecognizable. I didn't recognize who I was in the in the mirror. I had I had no strength to make lunch. I had no motivation to get out of bed. Um, I've, I've never been a depressive or anxious person. Just the opposite. I always I'm like type A. I plug through and I just keep going, keep going, keep going. And this was where actually where where my body was like no you need to rest. No, you need to like take a step back. You need to analyze. You need to focus. You need to reevaluate. And that's what I did. I reevaluated my whole life. I reevaluated how I was living, what I was doing, uh, my line of work. I reevaluated everything and I made the changes. And as I made the changes, you start to see results. And then once you start to see hair growth, that's where you're like, Ooh, I'm onto something. Bam. And so even though I was still like losing or not losing, but I was still like 50% uh, hair loss, but I knew it was onto something. And so that glimmer of hope, like a huge hair growth rate within six months I, that I saw like a big jump that kind of like catapulted me to like, keep going. That's, that's, that was the only nugget I needed to keep going. And then once I completely healed, I was just like, geez, people need to know this. People need to hear not just my story, but I need to repeat this in other people so that they believe that it's possible. That diet and lifestyle is really your key to success. And this is something that no one's talking about, no one's teaching us. And really, they don't want you to learn this because they prefer that you be on medication for the rest of your life because that's how they make money. And so that's like another topic, right? I, I know somebody with diabetes and he's had it for over... Jeez, he's like 70, so he's had it for over 30 years at this point, and it's only gotten worse. It's only gotten worse, and you know, you try to tell somebody, hey, guess what? You can reverse your diabetes with diet and lifestyle. You can see, you know, changes. You don't have to go through so many bypass surgeries, so many stents. You don't have to take, you know, 16 different pharmaceutical drugs a day. You don't have to put insulin into your stomach. You don't have to do all these things. And yet you want to keep living your way. You don't want to get out of your comfort zone. You don't want to change. Well, then so sorry. These are your ramifications. These are your repercussions. And that's what it takes. You have to change. You have to be open to change. And if you don't, well, then, you know, suffer the consequences. That's really what it is. And it is, I mean, it is making the first step is really hard. I think it's just to once once you make the decision that you are going to change because you really have the willpower to not be sick anymore then the first step is really important but it's the little tiny steps towards the first step that sometimes people don't want to take because as you said it is out of their comfort zone and people don't like getting out of their comfort zone and yes it is uncomfortable and it is difficult and and it's it's you know it's it, it's a lot of time and sometimes a lot of money, but it is so worth it. I mean, there's nothing more important than your health. I mean, if you're not healthy, you can't do anything. You can't enjoy your life. It's so true. So true. Health is priceless. And, you know, the driving force behind this was my hair. But to get to the hair, you have to have the health. There's no other way around it. And so it's a two in one. And so once I figured out the health part, then the hair just grows like a weed. It just keeps growing. And so, you know, that's the hair issue is like really not a big deal when I look at it in, in the in the hindsight of things. It's really getting you healthy. Once you're healthy, like the hair automatically grows. 
because that's what your body is predisposed to do. It's predisposed to grow hair. Um, and many, for, for many people in places that they don't want, like their back. But this is part of their, part of everyone's genetics. We want to grow hair. Hair is protective. It's protected from the cold. It's protected from bacteria. This is why we have hair in many places on our body, on our legs, etc. And so that's our natural state. If we are not in our natural state, then something is off. It's like a symphony orchestra. You know, you can hear it when someone makes a mistake. You can. It's just like the trombone is off, the flutes are off, something's off. But when your body is working like a symphony, it's beautiful. It's absolutely, you know, music to your ears. It's stunning. And it's the most awe-inspiring concert that you've ever attended because everything is working as it should naturally. And sometimes we, we're so, you know, far off from what we think is natural that you don't know till you know. And that's really the, the key takeaway here is that you don't know till you know how good it can be because you're stuck in this situation. But, you know, it, it is possible. I offer free consultations. You can book those online. It's like I have free downloads for you on my website. There are resources out there for you. And I would, I would be very... Um, cautious if anyone's listening to this and has alopecia or has any other autoimmune disease I would be very cautious to take in what doctors say to you because first and foremost yes they have the knowledge via textbook but at the same time I would also start questioning what's their success rate with that protocol or that procedure or that uh, medicine I would start asking the, the hard questions I would ask them have you had alopecia you know, the thing is, once you've gone through something and you're helping others, it's a lot different than someone who's just, you know, reading off from a textbook that they've learned in medical school. And unfortunately, autoimmune diseases are very new. They're just as new as the Internet. And so we haven't caught up to what is possible. And this is why there is no one drug fits all. This is why there is no one pill fits all. And this is why many people say that, you know, alopecia is, uh, can't be cured. And I say bah humbug to that because it can be. You just need to evaluate and change, make those changes and, and you know, live. Live in a different way, live in a certain way. And sometimes it's just small changes. For others, it's big changes. But for some, it's just very small. You know, for example, like this personal trainer client that I had, you know, she's 46. She's a mother of three. She has, she has amazing physique, amazing physique. However, she also had alopecia and she also has, um, you know, hair loss. And so, you know, I started working with her. She's in my program. And in 19 days, 19 days, that's like less than three weeks, she already started seeing hair growth. The acne that she had on her back went away. Her energy level skyrocketed. You know, her moods changed. She's less depressive, less anxious. You know, she, a lot of things change in just three weeks. And so if you give your power to all the negativity, well then, geez, you, 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 can't, you can't overcome that if you give your power to the negative uh, people, negative naysayers, or negative uh, things. You have to believe. The first step in healing anything is to believe that it's possible. Second step is to take action. But the first is to have faith. Believe that you can. Believe that your body is a magical system and it can heal itself. It's... it's 
born, you're, you're born to heal it, but we just need to support it and we need to learn that. And I think you're the very embodiment of what is possible when once you make the decision to make the changes and change your lifestyle and, and support your body in the ways that it needs to be supported. Um, so you made your changes in your life and now you're supporting others to make their changes in order to support theirs. When did you decide to, because I, I know you and you mentioned that your background is in the corporate world and you come from an obviously very stressful working environment. Was it at the beginning of your journey or some somewhere halfway through that you made the decision to leave the corporate world behind and embrace the new new journey and help others the same way that you help yourself so i was in transition um i was moving from florida to colorado right um right when alopecia kind of surged um, however it was still very dormant like i started feeling the symptoms but because my initial bald spot was in the back of my head i didn't notice it until my hairdresser in colorado had pointed it out And when she did, I didn't make a big fuss of it. I didn't see any any cause for concern, in all honesty, because it was so small. And then when I went to my hairdresser in California, because I'm originally from California, um, my hairdresser, who knows me since I'm a teenager, said, Johanna, you have alopecia. You need to get this checked out. And so he was the one who diagnosed me. So it took like another six months later for me to realize I actually had something and it was a diagnosis to it and there was a name to it. And so I was still in corporate through this time. I was still in transition. And then once I moved to the Netherlands, then that's when I completely left corporate. And um, it was a natural transition in that sense, but because at the same time, alopecia consumed me. And, um, And that just consumed my whole being. I couldn't think straight because I was so consumed with my health. I was so consumed with my hair. I had never seen hair loss to this extent. Never, never, never had I ever experienced hair loss like this. Not even in my most stressful moments in life did I ever have hair loss like this. Never. I've always been known for having like a lion's mane, always having big hair. And I, I actually just posted a picture the other day of, uh, of me at 23 and it's just like this big mane of curls and I've always had big hair I've always had lots of hair and so for me for that to go away it was just it was really traumatizing you know hair especially for women and the thing is alopecia um, affects 80% women around 20% men and so it is devastating as a, as a female because that's part of your part of your femininity that's part of your identity that's part of who you are that's that's what makes you 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 know if we were all bald I mean there's nothing to differentiate us unless it's you know your bodies and then that's just like a whole another ball game um so I, I think there's a lot of self-expression in hair there's a lot of self-expression in in how you carry yourself and that's an accessory hair is an accessory it's and this is why you have so many Uh, wigs and so many high-priced wigs. I have a client actually and she's doing this program for her daughter who's 21 and she spent over $50,000 on wigs, on custom wigs. Wow. Wigs are so expensive. Imagine, I mean, if I was, if I had the option between spending $50,000 on on wigs 
or on figuring out my diet and lifestyle, I would have picked diet and lifestyle 100%. Wigs are, are a Band-Aid. Um, you know, it's not the solution. It's just a Band-Aid to the solution. And so, you know, I really wanted to uncover what was going on. And I'm disciplined enough to make the changes and to stick with the changes. And, you know, I know in times in life that, that we want to, quote, unquote, cheat. We want to have a cheat day. Even personal trainers have cheat days, right? And so I teach you this. I teach you how to essentially have your cake and eat it too. I, I teach you how you can maintain your, your health and your hair without the fear of alopecia coming back because this is key. I want you to feel not deprived. I, I want you to feel happy, healthy, and whole. But at the same time, you know, yeah, there, there is room for cheating. It's not every day for sure. It's not every day. But it is possible. And so these are, you know, balancing techniques that I, I teach in my program. And I think this is the difference between somebody who's, who's never had alopecia and who's trying to treat somebody with it because they don't even know that there's other that issues with it, right? Because let's say your dermatologist who, who focuses on uh, alopecia, she can't treat you for your digestive issues. She can't treat you for your brain fog. She can't treat you for your dry, your dry eyes. You're going to have to go to an ophthalmologist for your eyes. You're going to have to go to a, a different type of doctor for your digestion. You're going to have to go to a different doctor for your brain fog when in reality it's all connected. And this is the disconnect that we have in medicine, that we're seeing too many different doctors for all these different things. They're treating us how they want. They're not talking to each other. So it's like having a, a business, right? If you think of a business, you have your C-suite level. You have the CEO, the CFO, your C uh marketing officer, you have all these different, you know, chief, whatever department officer, and they all talk to each other. They all have board meetings. They all have meetings in general, and they all talk to each other. And so everyone's on the same strategy. But in this instance, all your doctors are not talking to each other. None of them are. They're all doing what they think is best. And unfortunately, then you're also susceptible to their blind spots. You're also susceptible to their mistakes. And so I think this is the value that I bring because I've been there, done that. And not only have I helped myself, but I've helped hundreds of others to regain their hair and their health because I think that's the, the driver. It's, it's like, A, allowing you to believe that diet and lifestyle changes increase health and hair, but then also showing you how to do it. I think it's, it's a great way of lifestyle for you, it sounds like you know, being able to help others to what you've done yourself seems like an incredibly satisfying way of life to me. And I'm pretty sure that's, uh, you know, that, that must be really fulfilling. I mean, seeing the results and seeing the people that you make happy just simply by helping them reach their health potential and help them regrow their hair. And as you said, I mean, Hair isn't a big deal. I mean, it's the probably the last thing we should worry about when it comes to our health. Um, but at the same time, especially for women, as you mentioned, I mean, you already mentioned that there's about 80% of patients are female with alopecia and about 20% are male. But from your own experience, if, if you've had any male patients, I mean, is the perception of the disease and how it affects somebody emotionally is it different between men and women or is it is it the same because i i can't imagine that for a woman it must be a massive blow if you suddenly don't have hair on your head whereas 
most men I know, they would just shave it off and don't make such a big deal of it. I think it's very individual. I think, for example, I have the one client in LA who I told you about, that's all he wants is his beard. He doesn't care about the hair on his head. <laughs> he wants his beard back. And I told him, look, like, like I can help you get healthy and get your hair growing, but I don't know where it's going to come out of, you know, if it comes out first in your beard or not. Um, luckily, it, it came out first on his chin, eyebrows, and legs. But I'm sure he's going to start getting more on his head, too. And so he wants his beard. And so for him, that's his main thing. I have men that are younger. Uh, one is actually a personal trainer. The other one is in his uh, early 30s. He's in the UK, actually. And he wants the hair on his head back. You know, he doesn't want to go bald at 30. And he doesn't want to have, you know, the, the spots because that's another thing. You know, with women, yeah, you can get a wig. Yeah, you can get a topper. You can get extensions. You can do a, you can wear a hat. You can do many things to cover, let's say, the situation, whether that's uh, areata or you can, like, wear your hair a certain way to cover, let's say, holes that you're missing. But with men, you kind of can't. And so the situation is a little different. They're going to have to shave it off. You know, they can't look like a cheetah or, you know, um, yeah, they just can't, you know, you can't have bald spots in your beard or in your head, really. I mean, you know, for their own self-confidence, but at work or, or with friends. And so they would probably more than likely shave it off. And I know for, for some men, um, you know, they love having great hair. Um, my husband's one of them. He loves having great hair. And, you know, it's funny because, um, I've uh, helped him with his nutrition. I've helped him with his uh, supplements. I've helped him in many areas that he implements, and he's seen change. He doesn't have an autoimmune disease. He doesn't have hair loss, but he's, he's seen improvement not just in his uh, physical abilities and recovery from workouts, but then also in his hair in general. And so a lot of times, you know, it's a, it's a few minor tweaks, and we can improve this. We can improve your, your hair, the quality, the thickness, the, you know, the growth, everything. And so this is what we want to do. We want to promote it. And um, it, for men in general, I mean, I think if they're coming to me, it's because they are concerned about it, right, and, and they want a solution. Um, what I'm finding, though, is that parents are much more concerned about it for their children than, than maybe their own child is, right? So I have lots of moms who have young boys, or young girls who are uh, doing the program for their children because they want their children not to be scarred by the situation or by the circumstance. And, you know, going to school, especially in the U.S., I'm going to say it, you know, it's it's tough. You know, there's bullying, there's competitiveness, people tease. Children in general are just like me. They tease you <laughs> and they make fun of you for any little thing. And it's just, um, <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I can remember when I was teased. It never really got to me. Um, but that's my personality. But for others who have maybe a more sensitive personality, it will get to them, you know? And so this is what you want to avoid. Um, I, I had a client the other day and, you know, she was telling me she was suicidal because of her hair loss. And that's, and that's something like, I don't, it breaks my heart. You know, I don't want it to get to that point. And, um, you know, she's tried many things and now she's trying my program but a lot of this is, is, is you know, taking that, that step back, taking a breath, and, and knowing that we need to be grateful for everything else that's going right in our life. You know, we can't just allow ourselves to be swallowed up by this one situation. 
And even though I, I too myself was consumed and I was 100% obsessed, you know, I was reading nonstop, I wasn't socializing, I wasn't going out, I was just reading medical journals and books and just, you know, podcasting and just figuring out more and more information, more and more tools and, and, and tips and tricks that I could apply and I could try so I could get closer to my hair success and also to my health. And so I understand when when people are in this um, in this frame of mind, but at the same time, once you start adding in gratitude, which is a huge practice that I maintain, is that, okay, this is going wrong, but what are the 99, 150 other things that are going right? And so keeping a positive mindset, keeping a positive attitude, and the more and more people I speak, because my clients are from all over the world. They're from Australia, they're from New Zealand, Ireland, the UK, they're from Canada, Sweden, um, you know, Switzerland, Germany, Netherlands, South Africa. They're from everywhere. I've had people from Malaysia, India, Japan. I mean, you name it, I've probably touched somebody in some way, um, either through my blogs, through my books, through my courses or my programs. And thankfully, I, I'm very, I, I look at the positive side always. Even if I, if I need to cry it out, I cry it out, like for sure. Uh, you know, honor your emotions. For sure, 100% honor them. But at the same time, like, okay, start a new day. You know, write down 10 to 15 things that you're grateful for. And then keep going, keep taking action. Because the more action you take, then the more it'll get you closer to the answers that you seek. And I think that's that's the important takeaway as well, is that you can't just allow yourself to be in this negative uh, mindset or, or negative, you know, black hole you have to get out of it. And the only one who can pull yourself out is you. Like, I can try, your parents can try, your family, friends, spouse can try, but the only one who has to do the work is you. The only one who has to go through the mud to get to, you know, the light is you. I totally agree with that. Um, I suppose that's one of the things that you probably teach your patients when they come to you. Um, and actually... What can a patient, when, when they approach you for help, what can they expect? What um, they like, what they read, they, they like to take one of your holistic treatment programs. Um, so how does it work? What can they expect when they first approach you? I think it all starts with a honest conversation. And this is why I offer the free consultation. Because everyone's situation is different. Everyone's um, ability to change is also uh, different and everyone's, um, you know, discipline to stay on it. You know, I want to work with people who are like, yes, I'm 100% invested. Yes, I'm 100% willing to do anything you tell me to do. Yes, I'm willing to, you know, go the extra mile because that's what it takes. You need to go the extra mile. You know, this is why not all of us are Olympic gold medal winners. This is why we're not all you know, marathon runners, because we don't know what going the extra mile looks like. We're not all professional athletes, right? I mean, beyond the talent, beyond the skills, that's one thing, but going the extra mile is what it takes to win the championship, to really get really healthy, and to have perseverance, because there are setbacks. There are days where you're like, oh, I don't want to do this. You know, there's going to be days where, I mean, that's even at work. That's even probably even with your own family. You come home, you're like, oh, I don't want to come home. <laughs> you know what I mean? That That's daily life. 
it's not every day because there's some days where you look at your spouse and you're like, oh, I love you. Or, and then some days you're like, oh, I want to kill you. <laughs> you, know? you know, we all have our days. Like, I get that. We're, we're human. But at the same time, you have to persevere. You have to, like, pick back up and keep going. And so I think I see so much success. I have a 90% success rate in my two-month program. And I see so much success because I'm there not just cheering you on, but telling you straight, like, what it is you need to work on. Because what you need to work on is going to be different than the person next to you in the group or the next person over. You know, we all have our blind spots. And so this is where the coaching comes in. There is a coaching call that's um, just like this, where we're on Zoom and I'm looking over your intake form and I'm looking over 10 pages of what your history, your medical history looks like, um, you know, what you eat on a daily basis, what your habits are, all these things. And I can pick out a bunch of um, blind spots that are going through and I can even read people. You know, you can read people directly, you know, if they're authentic, if they're lying to you or if they're hiding something. I have this one client, she's adorable. You know, in the beginning, um, yes, she had hair loss, and yes, she had, um, her intake form looked really uh, easy and simple, you know, like, we can get through this real quick, and, you know, I asked her a couple questions, and she's like, no, 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 and I could tell she was lying to me, and I was like, okay, that's fine. You know, it, it, the thing is, it'll catch up to you. If you don't address that situation or, or that symptom or that thing, it'll catch up to you. And so lo and behold, she saw results early on. And then towards the end of the program, then she started to see setback. And I was like, so I sent her a checklist. I was, and I asked her a bunch of questions. Like, are you doing this? Are you doing that? Have you done this? Have you done that? She's like, no, you're right. I have this issue. And so that's when she come, she came clean to me. And I was like, okay, this is how you tackle this. You do this. And so now she has, you know, that extra guidance on like how to tackle that problem. And so it's like the more you're honest, the more people can help you or the more I can help you, right? Because that's, that's who you're dealing with, who you're dealing with me. And so you need to be honest and vulnerable so that people can really get to the root cause and to like the underneath that surface. Because sometimes, you know, the biggest block could be, could be trauma. The biggest block could be, um, you know, something that happened in the past. I, I actually know somebody. She was 11 years old when her grandmother died. Um, and when her grandmother died, no one really explained to her death. No one explained to her kind of like the next steps or the logistics to all this because her parents and, you know, her family was very focused on um, giving her grandmother a burial and, and doing all this. And no one kind of, I guess, paid attention to what this little girl was feeling or how she was interpreting everything. And this little girl was very close to her grandmother. She interpreted it like it was her fault. Like grandma died because it was my fault. When grandma was already in her 90s and it was already, you know, ready to go. And so later on, that was 11 years old. She immediately after became in alopecia universalis so she started losing her hair and she went completely bald she lost all the hair on her body so she went through high school and she went through college completely bald uh losing her hair at 22 she started going on this holistic journey route trying to figure out like how to heal and her biggest block was the trauma of her grandmother dying and, and 
once she tackled that, all her hair came back. She's the stunning redhead. And so, bam, she has all her hair back. Trauma is a massive subject. That is so interesting because I do firmly believe that trauma can be a major block to... It is. that that is that is really important. Thanks for sharing this because this is and for many listeners, I'm pretty sure that a lot of us can relate to that, even when we don't want to admit it. But I think that past traumas have a lot to answer for when it comes to our health issues, no matter what they are. Now you've also written a um, couple of things, but the book I'm really interested in is. Um, your book on hair growth and health. What drove you to, firstly, when did you decide to write the book and what was the driving force behind it? So this is where I, so that day that I told you where I woke up and I was like, you know, I heard the choir singing, I heard <laughs> Alleluia going off, you know, the clouds parted, the rainbows were coming in, unicorns were galloping in my mind. <laughs> that day was the day I was just like, people need to know, how do I do this? And I was like, I'm going to write a book. And so I started writing a book. um, And, you know, I felt better. The hair was coming in. Like, everything was, like, in order. And I was like, I got this. Like, I I still had my hair missing a lot. But I was like, I got this. I was so confident because I already saw results coming in. And I was like, I need to tell people. I need to write this book. And I did. I wrote the book. It's on Amazon. It's on my website, alopeciaangel.com. And then from there... I had um, one of my clients say, how about you write a cookbook? And so then I did. So then I wrote the cookbook to make a, a marriage there. And then I had another client who said, okay, now I need a weekly planner. And I said, okay, <laughs> I can create that too. So I created a weekly planner. And since I already talked about stress, I created a stress management course. And then when I started uh, seeing little by little that people needed more hand-holding, people needed more... Yeah, day-to-day, week-to-week, hand-holding, in all honesty, that's what they want, that's what they need. So then that's when I created the two-month course. And this is why I'm seeing so much success rate. And, you know, what I like to say is that it's very different to buy the furniture from Ikea and put it together yourself. And then, you know, the table be wobbly versus, you know, buying the furniture already made, ready to go, uh, or paying somebody to do it, right? And so... This is the difference. I give you an option to do it yourself if you want that route, but then I also have the option of I walk you through it. I give you all my knowledge. I essentially, you know, continue to provide more and more research because the thing is updating a book is like I just updated in January, but from January till now, there's so much more information that I've learned and so much more information that I share. And so because of this, it's almost like the program is so much better because you have the coaching session, you have the one-on-one. So I can look at your intake form, see your blind spots, tell you, hey, are you looking at this? Are you looking at that? Are you double-checking that you're working on this? Because some people like to think, oh, I can just take more supplements. I can just, you know, do this. I can just take more pills to fix this or to help the healing. When in reality, they're missing the big picture. They're missing all these other things in their life that need to be addressed before we can... Adding more pills doesn't make sense a lot of the times. And the thing is, it's diet and lifestyle. You know, you can't just have the diet piece and you can't just have the lifestyle piece. They have to go together. And supplements support that. 
And so you can't out supplement a bad diet. You can't, you know, eat what you want and then think that because you're taking your supplements, you're fine because you're not fine. It, it doesn't work that way. It all is a concert. It's the symphony orchestra and they all have to work together. And so if not, then you're not going to see the results you want and you're, you're going to get the setbacks. And I'm the first one to tell you because I have no qualms to tell you, um, hey, guess what, you know, uh, anime, you're going to have all these setbacks and you're not going to see the success you want. Like I want my clients to see hair growth. I want them to push forward and I'm going to push them to do that. I'm going to challenge them and I'm going to, you know, be on top of them because I think that's what we need. We need accountability. We need somebody on us and checking in on us. We need somebody telling us where we're potentially making mistakes. And so this is something that you can't necessarily do in a book. You know, I give you essentially all my information in the book and it's a fantastic starter. And there's people who, who write into me and say, I've reversed my hair loss because of you. Thank you for your book. Thank you for all this knowledge. I get those, um, those emails constantly. However, there's other people, depending on your personality, who want to be handhold, you know, who, who want more help or, you know, who have two, three different autoimmune diseases all together plus alopecia. And so you want to address those situations too. Or let's say, for example, this one client I have, he, he just had psoriasis. He didn't have any alopecia, just psoriasis. And with him, it's, it's a little different. And so we, he did my two-month program, and 90% of his, of his psoriasis went away. And now it's like 100% gone because, you know, it takes time to completely heal. But you can see advancement. You can see results quicker once you start putting all the tools in action. I think the hand-holding, as you call it, is incredibly important for some people. And I know it was for me, for, with my private practitioners. I mean, I was so grateful, but it's not just that. It's also giving you a hope. You, it's almost like I definitely needed to speak to someone who can give me hope that I will be healthy, that I will get to the end of it, that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And I think as a lot of the time, that's all it is because the doctors in the hospital, they were great. And, you know, they were trying to help, but they were not giving me hope because all they were saying was, you know, you're going to be on meds for the rest of your life. You're going to just manage this condition. And that wasn't hope for me. That was no life. But then you have somebody like you who tells you, you can do this. You will come out the other end and you will be on no medication and you will be a healthy human being and you will be happy. And I think that's a lot of the people need that. Just be in contact with someone who gives you constant hope and that's a driving, that's a major driving force knowing that you're going some, towards something really positive. I think it's definitely possible but I, I think again, just like I said earlier, where the person who has to do the work is the person going through alopecia. Yeah. So for example, I have some moms that they do the program for their 20-something year olds. And if the 20-something year old isn't engaged or isn't you know, following the program to a T or isn't learning the, the things that they need to learn, then potentially they are gonna have setbacks, you know, because they're, they're just gonna keep going in their life, not understanding what what the whole picture looks like and then keep making those mistakes and so this is a problem too like i love the moms who, who do this i love the moms who who come onto my program and but i think there needs to be an inclusion aspect where you need to bring in the child in they he or she needs to have that buy-in needs to be on board completely 
And so just the same when you have a younger child, let's say a 10-year-old or a 15-year-old who lives at home, I, I make sure that the whole family is on board. So it's not just the child making the changes. It's the whole, whole family, mom, dad, siblings. Everyone is making changes. So if everyone's eating you know, the salad, everyone's eating the salad. If everyone's doing this, everyone's doing this. You know, whatever it is that's needed to support that child so the child doesn't feel isolated because many times families don't know how to support you. Like my family didn't know how to support me. Um, they, they, I mean, they didn't even know what alopecia was. They just saw the bald spots. They, they saw the hair loss and they saw that I was changing in, in many ways. And um, I'm sure they didn't like what they saw. I didn't like what I saw. And so, but no one like, yeah, they didn't know how to support me. They didn't know how, how to help me. I had to do this on my own. And so that's another thing. Like if you can't pick yourself up, then it's like no one else will be able to. Like I can cheer, I can be your cheerleader, I can coach you, but you know, that work comes from you, ultimately. That support you're talking about, I think that's incredibly important. And especially when it comes to, to, to a child. Absolutely, because I remember I was 23 when I was going <clears throat> through a really big relapse. And I was living here and my partner was living back in the Czech Republic. And when I knew that traditional medicine is not going to help me and I wanted to go through the natural health therapies and, and through nutrition, there was absolutely no support and understanding from my family and from then my boyfriend. And so I knew I had to break off and I decided to stay in Northern Ireland. And so instead I was living here with friends who were incredibly supportive. Um, of me trying something new and trying to get myself healthy and I, I think that's incredibly important because if you feel like you're alone um, that is not very encouraging to be perfectly honest and so I love your approach to a whole family approach that if, if a child is affected then the whole family needs to do the program because it is so important and kids learn by example and if they see their parents doing these things of course they want to do them too exactly no, it's very important to have the, the parents initiate this, and, and I love how parents, you know, love their kids, obviously, and want them to have the best, and, you know, be healthy, of course, um, but at the same time, it is a full effort, and so um, no one needs to be isolated, and, and for those adults who live on their own or, or have their own families, you know, that's a, a, a different situation, because sometimes they don't want their children to do the program when they don't need to, so I understand that. And that's where my support to them comes in. And that's where my support to them and my, you know, coaching and my, you know, being your supporter allows them to, to push through because maybe in their immediate household, it's, you know, uh, life as usual, but for them, it'll be a little different. And there's actually one thing I wanted to ask as well, uh, just to give an idea, um, I know that alopecia is not, we already mentioned, it's not that widely talked about and I tried to research some statistics when it comes to UK and Northern Ireland at least, but I couldn't, there are actually no statistics at all and I know that there are plenty of statistics when it comes to different autoimmune diseases, but for some reason alopecia doesn't seem to have any. Do you have any stats for either America or you now live in Netherlands or any global statistics at all to give people idea? how many people this can actually affect? Yeah, so from my understanding, there's six to eight million in the US who have alopecia, 
and another six to eight million in the UK who have alopecia, um, which wow. is a high number. And I actually, so I used to live in Miami where, you know, it's sunshine, uh, essentially summertime all year long. And I'm from California. So I didn't necessarily uh, come into contact with alopecia at all. But now that I live in the Netherlands and, you know, you're in more contact with Northern Europeans and this type of thing, you hear about it more and you see it more on the street. I'm actually quite astonished at how frequently I see it just walking on the street. And I, and I, you could tell, I mean, alopecia has a distinct look and it's not necessarily due to cancer, right? It's, it, the bald patches are alopecia. If you see bald women completely, this could be, you know, two different things. It could be alopecia or it could also be, you know, the, the person is recuperating from chemo or something. So that, I mean, that's that option. But I've seen more hairless and hair loss issues here in Northern Europe living here than I have anywhere else that I've lived. And it's quite, um, it's quite interesting. And even now, I've lived here now for like three years, um, going on to my fourth. And even in my immediate acquaintance circle, there's two, three people who I know of who just got alopecia or who were just diagnosed. Uh, within a couple months. Um, and so I feel like the more I talk about it, the more I I come across it. Yesterday I was talking to a lady, and she said that her daughter's friend had alopecia. And so it's just like I, I just mention it literally, and someone knows somebody already with alopecia. So it's becoming actually quite common, and it, it's it's really unfortunate that this is – what's going on in terms of autoimmune diseases because I, I have a lot of young clients, you know, where their parents are doing the program, but their child is two, three, four, five, six, 10, 12, 15, 18 years old. Um, or clients who are, let's say now in their twenties and thirties and they've had it since they were three or five. So this is a situation where it's becoming more prevalent. And so the problem is, is that there's certain organizations that focus on alopecia but they don't focus on solutions. They focus on quote-unquote support. And this support is fluff to me. You know, it's like very superficial support. It's not true support. And it, it's upsetting um, and disheartening too because I think that's where that's where my, uh, I guess, my patience ends really because if you want to support somebody, I mean, you would actually try to find it the source of what's going on and try to help them instead of, you know, brushing over it like it's okay, like it's, ah, oh, you got this, like, you know, you can be your own superhero, which, yeah, you can be, but at the same time, wouldn't you want to be a healthy superhero? Wouldn't you want to be your own advocate with health, with overcoming the situation versus just saying, oh, this is it, you know, you have alopecia, you have this for life, and, you know, that's it. Because the problem is, is that when we teach our kids or when we say things to children, they believe it. And then you have these limiting beliefs that are not true or not correct. And this is part of the problem. If, if you say something to someone who's, uh, you know, who takes what you say as truth, then it becomes their truth and it becomes their reality. When in all actuality, we should be promoting diet and lifestyle, we should promoting trying to be the healthiest possible and trying to be results oriented. 
that's the true like that's the true essence of, of being human is looking for solutions and looking for results and looking for other ways and thinking outside the box and I think coming from the tech corporate um, you know background that I have that's what that taught me is to think outside the box to look for another way and to keep at it to keep at it and you know what I like to say is like you know if we have people who've gone to the moon people who, who learned how to create airplanes and fly you don't think we can reverse alopecia you don't think we can figure out how to get healthy come on now like I'm not a unicorn my clients aren't unicorns anyone can do this that's it, that's a beautiful message to, to get across and I think it is really important um, people just need to believe I guess have faith as, as you said that um, that is important um, and you can certainly help people so um, you already mentioned you have clients um, based in different parts of the world so you obviously offer online consultations for patients based abroad um, so what is the best way to contact you where can people find you how can they get in touch you can find me and you can also find the free consultation and the free downloads in my blog at alopeciaangel.com and I'm also on Instagram and I'm also on Facebook on Pinterest on YouTube and yep all my information is there alopeciaangel.com and before we end I would like to ask you a couple of questions that all my guests um, get from me I'm really interested sure. you obviously made a massive change to your lifestyle um, to support your health so what is your lifestyle like and what is your diet like lifestyle so I try to reduce as much stress as possible I've created boundaries with um, with people in my life. I've switched out. Um, I you know I'm very careful with who I keep as company in terms of who's around me in my life because I want positive people. I want people who who are uplifting, people who are negative Nancys or Debbie Downers. Like that doesn't go with me. I'm not going to have you around in my life. And so that's first and foremost. Um, and let's say in terms of diet, I've tweaked it. Like I was actually pretty, really good, but I've tweaked it a lot. Um, I have a gluten and, uh, sensitivities, so I don't eat gluten. I, if I make or eat bread, I, I make it at home. Um, so I know the ingredients that go into it. 40 to 50% of gluten-free products on the market still contain gluten. And if not, they contain added sugars and preservatives and that's all junk. So I don't uh, go towards that at all. Um, I like to cook at home, so 90% of what I eat is cooked at home, and, and um, so that's diet, and I try to focus on nutrient-dense foods, um, yeah, nutrient-dense, I, I, I look at the quality and quantity of foods, and really, I don't even limit my, myself in terms of quantity I eat until I want, because I know it's it's healthy, or because I know it's, it's not bad for me, um, but lifestyle to me is key. Lifestyle is actually very key, not just to me, but for everybody, because this is something that will continue to haunt you if you don't focus on it. Yeah, 90% of doctor's visits are because of stress. So, or stress-related. That's what the statistics shows. And so, 
you know, this is something that we have to focus on. So whether that stress is coming from family, friends, work, children, uh, or your own personal issues, um, it needs to be resolved. It needs to be resolved. And so I think that's, that's a big, that's a big boulder for many people. Um, and I think change is hard. Putting boundaries is hard and letting go is hard. And also expectations are hard. So I've let go of many expectations and I've let go of many things. And, you know, you, you think, oh, life should be this way and I should be able to do this and I should be, uh, have this and I should have this and have that. And the thing is, when you start to realize what you can control, then that's what you control. When you can't control outside forces, when, when you can't control other people or other situations, then there's a freedom in letting go. There's a freedom in, in just being like, well, you know, it's all good. I can control what I can control. I can control my emotions, how I react to it. I can control how I behave, what I eat, how often I exercise, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah, I can control me. And that's plenty. That's a lot, actually. That's a lot. And so I think a lot of times we stress ourselves out because we're thinking too far in advance. We're thinking about, you know, three months from now and we're worried. And so that causes stress and anxiety um, a lot of times as well you know, we're upset or disgruntled because things are happening, quote unquote, to us and not for us. So if alopecia, you know, is happening to you, you think, oh, why me? Why, why is this happening to me? I never thought that once. Never. I thought, okay, what is the universe trying to tell me? What lesson do I need to take away from this? And I think changing our perspective is, is key because it's not, why is this happening? It's more like, what is the biggest lesson that I need to learn? What is it? And I think maybe because you had this approach from the very beginning, that's why it only took you such a short time to get through this because I was that kind of a person who was constantly asking why me. And it took me years to realize that that was not the right question to be asking. It took me a long time to get to that. And that is another very important takeaway. Um, this is such, such a great conversation. I'm so glad we did this because there are so many valuable lessons in, in, in this interview alone. And um, I definitely could encourage anybody who has any autoimmune issues. I don't even think that it's just about alopecia. I, I think... Anyone who feels like they could benefit from your uh, consultations and from your program, I would encourage everybody to get in touch with you because you are an incredible inspiration and you obviously really know how to push people to do what they need to do in order to gain their health. And that approach that you have to, to, to life and health is so important but it's so infectious as well i think if you're led by somebody with such an attitude to healing and to life it is so encouraging and that's so important for somebody who's really ill and um, so thank you very much for for doing what you're doing and um, and before we say goodbye um you mentioned you cook at home a lot so um, I am a massive vegetable lover and I would like to know if you have a favorite vegetable and what is it and could you share um, a nice 
vegetable-based recipe for our listeners? Yes, I I have a lot of um, favorite vegetables, but I think my sweet potato is probably one of my favorites, um, just because it's sweet and because you can eat it at any time of the day. I love it. What I like to do, I like to put it in the oven, and I'll make like a big batch, and then in the morning if I eat it, I throw in some grass-fed butter from Ireland, actually, and then Ooh. I throw on some, I know, Carrie's Gold is my favorite, and then I throw on some cinnamon, and... Um, yeah, and I kind of like mash it together, and that's, I call it bear mash, and that's what I eat in the morning, not all the time, but sometimes when I'm craving it, and at night, or if let's say I have leftover um, sweet potatoes that are oven roasted already, then I'll use that, and I'll put it in a blender with some eggs and some other condiments and make into sweet potato bread, and then once I blend it, I'll throw it in the oven, and it becomes bread, and it's gluten-free, and so it works, and it's sweet potato bread essentially and it's amazing um so I love that um my husband loves that too and then um last night I had sweet potatoes as well so I mean I, I mean sweet potatoes are great I love them all the time it's a weekly thing we have them all the time at the house because they're nutrient rich they have tons of vitamins and antioxidants the lots of fiber and there's it's so versatile you can um make so many different things with it um I love the sweet potato fries but I don't fry it. I just like oven roast them. Yeah. Um, but just oven roasted potatoes are, are fabulous. So that's my go-to. It's really the only potato we really eat uh, here in the Netherlands. It's the only one we eat. You know, if I was in Peru, it'd be a little different. They have, you know, a bunch of other potatoes that are purple and all these different colors and have so many other nutrients. So I would be interested in those. But outside of the sweet potato, I love eggplant. I love... Um, I like Brussels sprouts. I love spinach. Spinach is easy, too, because spinach is, um, you know, you can throw it into smoothies. You can, uh, you know, uh, saute it with garlic and butter. There's so many things. Uh, spinach is really easy. Cauliflower is another one, which is fantastic. Uh, it's super versatile as well. Uh, I love making, um, like, a pizza crust or, like, a quiche mm. crust out of cauliflower. So I do that. Um, that's one of my weekly go-tos is like a nice cauliflower um, quiche, so to speak, as a crust, which is amazing. I really like your roast sweet potato mash. That is so simple as well. So you roast them at night and then mash it in the morning. Yeah, or you can roast them in the morning if you have time. And then, you know, they're hot and fresh and you add some butter and some cinnamon and it's like filling and it's delicious and yeah. It's great. That sounds amazing and so quick and easy. See, like cooking vegetables is actually so simple. So it is. Simple. You just have to learn. Like if you weren't taught this at home, so for example, my mom is uh, Italian descent, so a lot of pasta was uh, was at home. And so because of this, it was like pasta, rice, and like heavy dishes, um, which are delicious, by all means, delicious, but there wasn't tons of variety of vegetables so it was only now in my 30s that I learned how to how to work with a Brussels sprout or you know bok choy or whatever it is and so to explore more vegetables I think um, one of two things you either have to go to a lot of different restaurants and then be curious enough to choose these items or take cooking classes so that the real chef can like teach you how to how to work with vegetables because even the eggplant I never really touched an eggplant until I was in my 20s, 
and I never really learned how to like work with it until I, I had a cooking class where, where the chef taught me how to, how to do it. But now it's different. You know, this was ages ago. Uh, and now you have YouTube, you have cooking classes online. I mean, there's just so many options. So, which is nice. Yes, cooking is awesome. I find actually that cooking at home is one of the things that can um, help with stress management. I think it's kind of yes. killing two birds when, with one stone, as they say. You know, you kind of you prepare really delicious, healthy food at home. You know what goes into it. And for me, it's, it's a way to relax. And it didn't used to be. I really used to hate cooking. It was a waste of time to me. And now I'm embracing it. It's like, give me half a day in the kitchen. I love it. <laughs> you should come over then to my house. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Johanna, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast and, and sharing your wisdom and, and your recipes and your beautiful approach to, to health. I think it's been, in, it's been incredible. It's, it's been such a pleasure and a um, lot of valuable information. Oh, I'm happy to share the word. And, and I think that's another thing is like spreading the word. This is why I love doing podcast interviews because, you know, if we, if we only take for, you know, as, as true value of what doctors tell us or what textbooks or Google says, then we're just going to be trapped in this limiting belief and this limiting life when really, again, we're, we're meant to thrive. We're meant to push through. We're meant to do so much more and better. And so uh, I love getting the word out because I know what it feels like to suffer through a, a situation where you quote unquote think alopecia came out of nowhere and like, why is this happening? And, you know, like why I was always healthy before, but in reality we weren't. And so there are steps to proactively help this and to reverse this and, you know, keep it asleep. And so yeah uh, thank you so much for this opportunity it was wonderful to speak to you today as well you're very welcome and um, have a lovely weekend and perhaps um if i ever visit netherlands maybe i can hook up for a coffee absolutely absolutely i i actually i love to travel and so going over to the uk or to ireland or, or scotland is 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 beautiful and i love it so hopefully when everything settles down with covid i can you know go over and have coffee with you too I would absolutely love that. Well, thank you very much. Have a beautiful weekend. You too. Take care. All the best. Six to eight million affected by alopecia in the UK. For some reason, that is a lot more than I expected. And it would really be interesting to see current statistics in the UK, in Northern Ireland, and actually globally as well. If you yourselves are anybody you know is affected by alopecia, you can visit the UK alopecia charity, Alopecia UK, at alopecia.org.uk for local support and more information about the condition. And you can also get involved with the charity and find out about an ongoing research. If you are affected by alopecia and would like to find out more about the alopecia angel and or avail of the free consultation, you can find Johanna's blog, downloads and all the other important resources at www.alopeciaangel.com. The recipe for this week is Johanna's mashed roast sweet potato, which um, 
so going to try as soon as I get my hands on some organic sweet potatoes. And if you didn't manage to write it down, it's incredibly simple. You just roast your sweet potatoes in the oven. Then you just mash it with some cinnamon and butter. Now, Johanna uses Irish butter, but if you're a vegan, you can use a substitute. Um, there are many vegan butter options in health food stores and ordinary supermarkets, but I would just go ahead and use a good quality cold-pressed oil like hemp oil or olive oil or MCT oil. And um, if you don't mind coconut taste, you can go for a bit of coconut oil as well. That's it for this week. Uh, we are hopefully back with our fortnightly podcasts now. Um, whether we're gonna go back to face-to-face interviews or have to stick to online, I am not quite sure yet. But the podcast is back one way or the other. Although we did have some technical issues this morning and it took us nearly 20 minutes to resolve it. So I'm not a big fan of online interviews, to be honest. But if that's what we'll need to do, then that's what we'll need to do. Um, there will also be one other change to our post-lockdown podcasting. Um, I will no longer be splitting episodes into different parts. Over the past four months, I have listened to many podcasts and many of the episodes I listened to were over two hours long. And I realized that even if an episode is longer if it is a topic that we are really interested in, we will listen no matter how long the episode is. Or we can get back to it next time, which is what I've been doing. So I thought that I was making it easier for you and um, more convenient for you to keep the episodes shorter, but perhaps I wasn't. And also... To be completely selfish, generating two episodes out of one is creating a lot more workload for me. And over the past few months, I got to really embrace life away from my computer. So if keeping episodes as long as they take means less computer time, then I'm all for it. So that's that. And that's really it for this week. Um, I hope you all survived lockdown in one piece. Um, learned to embrace having the time for yourselves. Learned to relax, accept things as they come and perhaps spend some time learning to cook fresh food at home and took the opportunity to recharge and reset and get ready for the next chapter, whatever it may be. Have a lovely couple of weeks, embrace a change and try to take some steps towards better health, whatever these steps may be for you. And whatever you do, stay healthy. Until next time. As every week, your host is myself, Susanna from The Sweet Spot. Music by Mark J. Adair and artwork by Gemma O'Hagan. Thank you for listening. Thank you.